Hey, what's up guys, and welcome back to the Live Free Podcast. Here we are with episode number 11 this time. I'm Mike, here with JD, and today we're going to be talking about the current state of STR in Philadelphia. Um, How are you doing today, JD? I'm doing awesome, Mike. This is a really exciting topic. I think it expands to all urban markets and just really the future of the short-term rental industry in general. So I'm really excited to get into it. Um, Talking about what's going on in the future is always kind of you know, kind of sci-fi-ish and applying it to short-term rentals, what could be better? Totally, yeah. So this this episode is going to be specifically on the Philly regulations, um, but we do expect, and there already is other regulations and other markets happening, right? Um, what, are, what are some of the other markets you know of like already that are having some of these regulations being implemented? Yeah, so just Detroit, Chicago, Cincinnati, um, of course, New York already has its own regulations, which are a totally different monster, but we're not talking about where regulations are going to be absolutely crazy and sort of dictatorish. We're talking about markets that are trying to approach these topics with reason um, and put in restrictions that both help the community, but also allow for a space that short-term rentals can still thrive. Yeah, totally. Um, but before we really jump into the episode, we do ask that if you guys learn something or if you enjoy your time listening, that you do leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps out a lot. Let's know you want to hear more from us. Um, but to, to kind of jump right into it, um, why do you think they're putting these regulations into all these places? What do you think the, the issues or reasons really behind these regulations are? Yeah, so short-term rentals are like the newest hot-button issue that are going on within cities. Uh, about 10 years ago, we had the same issue with Uber and Lyft uh, with taxis, and now we're seeing almost the same exact battle with Airbnbs against the hotel lobbyists. So it's not something new. Um, cities have faced technological changes for a really long time, and they usually do come up with some sort of solution. And at the end of the day, what's best for both the city and the consumer ends up winning out. So there's, there's going to be a place in the market for short-term rentals. Uh, they're not going to go away. It's just a matter of how the city's going to tackle those in the short term and long term because initially we saw the same thing with uber and lyft we saw that they were banned in certain areas they weren't allowed at all people kept doing it and eventually they made their way into being a very mainstream product uh, that everyone seems to use today in the city so i think the same will come for short-term rentals the pendulum might swing one way heavily and then back the other way but we all we can do right now is navigate the the current market climate and plan for the future and what we anticipate they might do and try to get ourselves in position to make some money. For sure, yeah. The best you can really do is just set yourself up in a position so that no matter what happens, um, you're just still protecting yourself um, for, you know, even the worst case scenario. You're just protecting yourself and preparing for these these things going to place. Um, so when did you first start in, in STR in Philly? When, when was that? So it was back in 2018. It was shortly after I got my first house. Uh, I had a spare bedroom. I was waiting for a friend to move in, and that friend was Airbnbing out the spare rooms in the apartment he was renting at the time. So I decided I would give Airbnb a shot until he could move in. I furnished the room. Uh, he agreed to rent it furnished for me later down the road. And for those months that he wasn't there, I was making pretty good money on Airbnb. Uh, I brought in almost $2,000 on the spare bedroom that I had, which was enough to pay my entire mortgage at the time. And that's when it clicked for me. That, that first month that I covered my mortgage with just one of the four bedrooms in my house, I knew that long-term rental was not the, the way to go for me. And I knew where I could secure the most cash flow was going to be doing short-term rental. So after that first one, uh, I decided to 
grab a house specifically in the same neighborhood to do purely short-term rental and I was making five, six, seven thousand dollars a month on that that property. Mortgage again was around two thousand dollars. So with the cash flow I was seeing from short-term rental, I never looked back. Yeah, I, I would imagine you couldn't. I mean after you see how much better and how much more potential short-term rental has compared to long-term rental, how could you ever want to go back, honestly? Um, so when you first started out, were there any um, regulations at all for short-term rental or not at all? Yeah, no, it was the Wild West. And my only regret was not getting into the game sooner. So this was 2018. Uh, there had been a lot of people in the game in Philadelphia since when the Pope came, which I believe was 2016. So there were years where people were making hand over foot, um, kind of the first users of the platform in Philly before it got oversaturated. Uh, these guys were making making out really well. And up until this point, there really hasn't been any regulatory fear. I think that's a newer thing. Um, we've seen it happen in other cities. And I do think that we're gonna see that surface in a lot of different cities across the country. Uh, depending on the city, you'll see harsher or stricter rules, but a lot of them will go off the precedents that are set in some of these first cities so that they know how to take it and they can kind of use those cities as guinea pigs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so there were no regulations at all. How about like taxes? Do they have like any sort of like hotel taxes? I know they have that like for hotels and things now, but were there any anything like that? that did they extra extra? Yeah, man. So Airbnb has always been really good about remitting taxes to the, the ordinance that they need to. So for I'll give you an example. When you're running numbers and even to this day, if you're underwriting on a property, you can you don't have to factor in any hotel tax or anything else the city needs you to remit because Airbnb collects this separately from the guest. So if the guest is paying you $100 for the stay and that's what you're seeing when you're hosting or you're collecting data from different websites to try to figure out what you might make, you don't have to worry about this because that's already taken out. That's something that, that the guest pays on the side. It never goes into any of these platforms and you're totally good. So Airbnb has been really good with working with cities to make that happen. And that happens in, in most of the markets that I've, I've seen at this point. Yeah, okay. Um, do you happen to know back then when you first started how many Airbnbs there were back then compared to maybe now? I don't really know how many there were when I started in 2018. I know that now in Philadelphia there's just over 3,000. Um, there's, there's tons of listings in Philly. And the crazy thing is the new restrictions are going to end up banning about 90% of those should they go into play. Everything's up in the air, and we're going to get deeper than, deeper into that during this episode. But whatever urban market you're in, if they haven't made restrictions yet, or in any market really, you have to be cognizant of the fact that restrictions can go in. Uh, with that being said, I still find short-term rentals to be the absolute best place to park your cash. The risk-reward is still not at a proper level, uh, and there's much more reward to be garnered, especially if you're doing your due diligence and trying to prepare for what's coming you actually have a better chance of grabbing opportunities that are underpriced in markets that there are no restrictions. Uh, I'll give you an example. So let's say you're looking at something co commercial, which is generally good in most restricted markets. If you're looking at commercial in a market that's not restricted, and then all of a sudden they start talking about restrictions and only commercial can use it, that value is going to jump like crazy, similar to how uh, a stock might jump if the company gets some sort of patent. So keep your eye out for, for opportunities in the short-term market. The, the mismatch in risk versus reward is, it's crazy. And it's still gonna be the best uh, beta that you're gonna get in years to come. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so how about like in general, have you seen any issues yourself with, with short-term rental in, in Philly at all? Have you seen any issues yourself? In terms of regulations? Um, regulations are just any sort of problems that, that might pose a threat to them wanting to put regulations. Like why do they want to put these regulations on there? Yeah, totally. So there's, there's a lot of reasons that a city might want to ban short-term rentals. Um, the largest reason that lawmakers are going to point out are party houses. Uh, when Airbnbs are in communities that are typically residential houses that are just attracting parties like lights attract bugs, that's going to be your issue. Uh, if, if you're one of those hosts that's aiming to just throw open your house for parties, I mean, you don't you don't really belong in these communities anyway. So you want to make sure when you're searching for an Airbnb that there is a use case for that rental outside of people looking to party. Yeah. And I've heard a, a big another big thing is trash, right? Yeah, trash, trash is probably the second noted problem. Uh, when there are large groups coming to houses, even if they're not partying, the amount of trash that piles up because cities are not capable of removing trash as often as they, they need to um, for short-term rentals. They're good. Most residential places, trash pickup once a week is fine, or maybe you're, you're pushing it a little bit. But when you have groups of, of, say, eight people coming into a house that's supposed to sleep, three or four people typically on a lease, that's where you're going to see an issue and see trash pile up. Yeah, totally. So what about some of the people, because I know there's there's certain groups, right, that want to continue um, allowing short-term rental and they're, and they're pushing for this. Can you talk a little bit on, on those kind of people? Yeah, totally. I, I'd be glad to get into the lobbyist groups, and these groups exist in, in every different metro area. Um, and if they don't, as soon as regulations start coming into play, there's going to be advocates to save the Airbnb space, and there will be tremendous lobbyist power to try to make that happen. They're going to be fighting against the hotel lobbyists. It, it's an interesting saga, and I'll get into Phillies in a little bit. Uh, I just want to cycle back to the issues first. So there's tons of ways to prevent parties. Good hosts know how to do this. Um, there's definitely tons of different tools you can use, whether it's a noise monitoring software. Um, obviously, you can vet the guests before they stay. Um, picking out rentals in the right locations so that this doesn't happen. Parties are preventable, and good hosts will know how to do that. The other piece, the trash collection piece, we've partnered with a, a third-party vendor called Raging Raccoon. Uh, one, it's a sick name, and two, it's super cool that they've adapted so that they can pick up trash after every reservation, which leaves your place looking absolutely spotless and ready for the next guest. The price per pickup is super cheap because you're using them at a, a reasonable frequency, uh, and these guys are ready to attack in, in several different markets right now, and if, if they get enough interest, they could be in a market near you very soon. So. Check them out, guys. Raging Raccoon. Yeah, love those guys. Um, big shout out to them. Why do you think that these lobbyists aren't pushing towards... Sorry. Why do you think that the, the people putting regulations aren't trying to work with hosts a little more and, and try to put in... Like, make it a rule that they have to use professional management they have to use professional trash people to come they have to use all these certain things and why just straight up ban it yeah that's a great question and i think philly is a really good bad example of that and what i mean by when i say good bad example is there are plenty of markets where what they do is they give you a license and then they implement some sort of strike rule so that say you're you're the house that is continually getting huge parties you lose your license for that house um and it happens pretty quickly obviously uh, it only takes a party or two before neighbors are going to report you and you lose your license. 
Philadelphia might trend towards that. Right now, there really isn't anything like that in the policy uh, that they're suggesting they're going to implement. But that's an effective way that other cities have, have done it before. Yeah. So let's get into what exactly are the regulations coming? Yeah. So the proposed the proposal right now that was supposed to go into effect in July and is now pushed back to January of 2023 is essentially saying that you either need a special license that can be obtained if you're a primary resident, then you can sell Airbnb with residential zoning. Outside of that, you need to be a certain level of commercial zoning, which is CMX three or higher or industrial zoning to be able to, to go uh, the Airbnb and short-term rental route. Now in Philadelphia, and I'm assuming it would be the case or similar in most cities, 90% of the Airbnbs are gonna go down. I think there's maybe another 20% that could sneak through if they're gonna get that primary license. Uh, but at that point, if you're losing 70% of the supply in a market, those that are gonna be able to stay operating in that market are going to have a field day. Think of it, if there's only 30% of places now able to be booked and the demand is still gonna be the same as ever, nothing's gonna change in terms of the demand, those places are gonna be able to jack their prices up. They're already operating pretty efficiently and they're clearly pretty savvy if they were able to, to navigate the regulations. Uh, it's it's gonna be a really good space to be in. And we've seen a lot of operators, including ourselves, try to pivot to getting into these commercial zones as well as prepare for the licensing requirements. Yeah, so one big thing is, since there's not gonna be less of a, of a demand for these Airbnbs, do you think these people are gonna start going back to hotels? And do you think hotels are maybe a big proprietor pushing these regulations? The hotel lobbies are a thousand percent one of the main reasons that this is happening. Uh, Philadelphia has a $300 million budget uh, and Airbnb is bringing in $12 million of tax revenue to the city each year. Meaning that just the short-term rental market alone is making up 4% of Philadelphia's entire budget. 4% doesn't sound like a large number, but any city that's already underfunded and having trouble with their budget, super can't afford to have a 4% cut. Uh, so the hotels have to be a big part of this and the lobbyists have to be a big part of what's happening. Yeah, totally. Um... So how will people still be able to STR? So the only way you're gonna be able to STR is if you get a license for limited lodging, which requires you to be the primary resident, have your driver's license match the address that you're looking to short-term rent. Uh, at that point, you'd be allowed to rent for 180 days, which gives you about 50% occupancy. Uh, given that most of the supply is gonna dry up, you could, clean house with 50% occupancy in the city. The rates will be high enough to justify 50% occupancy all day long. And granted, most rentals are going to be rented out primarily on the weekends. I mean, a good, a good rental is gonna be rented out 80-ish percent on the weekends, uh, leaving your typical occupancy on weekdays closer to 40 or 50% anyway. So as long as you can, can stay on the platform, uh, you're gonna be able to jack your weekend rates up stay occupied on only weekends and make just as much as you're making now. So do you think that the price per night will go up or do you think the occupancy will go up or do you think both will go up? I think it'll be a bit of both. So <laughs> prices are definitely going to go up. There's no doubt about that. How high that limit can go, <laughs> we're going to have to find out when the market adjusts. Uh, occupancy is definitely going to become way less competitive 
on weekdays where normally you might see 30, 40, 50%, uh, you're likely gonna be able to, to get 50, 60, 70% on weekdays and weekends are gonna be booked outright. There are so many big events coming to the city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been growing year over year in population. COVID really made a mass push from New York City to Philadelphia. And with the FIFA World Cup coming in in 2026, so hype. Philadelphia just has been building its infrastructure to host larger and larger events. And that's not going to slow down. So I see this market really being prime for STRs for a long term, long time coming. And really, I want to get into talking about all of the different other options that you have, because you really don't have to just operate residential houses. And not everyone has to be at a point where they're going to buy a commercial space. I mean, we're talking CMX3. The average price point of a CMX3 building in Philadelphia is in well into the millions of dollars. So not everyone, not every investor is going to be ready to scoop up a two, three million dollar CMX3 building and put three million dollars of renovation into it. There is space for the mom and pops to get into the game in what's called a uh, what I call a medium term rental. Yeah. And that's where I think the game adapts severely. COVID really highlighted the ability for people to move around and demand a more flexible living situation. Where I think the world is going to trend is the the times of year-long, two-year-long leases are, are going to be gone. Every, every rental at some point is going to be a furnished rental. It's going to be a furnished month-to-month rental. That way people can afford the flexibility as the world continues to go more and more remote. And that's not going to happen overnight. That's going to happen through changes in this industry, changes in regulations, and changes in people's mindset and the, the culture in the workplace. Yeah, I think we're totally trending towards what you said, that medium-term rental, then especially the furnished medium-term rentals, because I think it's a lot easier for people, especially younger people and really anybody, to have that flexibility, like you said, to get into a place that's already furnished, already ready to go. All you have to do is just really just move your clothes in and you're pretty much ready to go. And you can stay there for as long as you want. You don't have to get locked into a year, year-long, two-long lease like you used to before. You can come in and stay for a month or two um, and sort of try it out, because a lot of people are, are sort of people have different lives and a lot of people have, you know, a lot of people are traveling nurses or they have to travel for their job and they're not necessarily going to be there for a year or two. They're going to be there for a few months. Yeah, totally. And and with workplaces going more and more remote, I think there's a, a natural instinct in people to travel. It's something that a lot of people lust for. And it's something that I've seen in my own life where I started Airbnb uh, my room out every time that I left for somewhere. So anyone who knows me knows that you never know where I'm going to be living. You, you know that I'm going to be bouncing around from city to city. Uh, and I will always have someone in my space when I leave. So for example, the place I own in Hawaii, I'll usually find a friend who wants to rent my room out for the dates that I'm gone. And then I go back when it's convenient for them to leave and it's me to come back. Uh, and I always try to line that up. It works the same in Philly. It works the same pretty much anywhere that I'm going to travel. I'm either getting an Airbnb, staying in one of my places, and having someone else fill the space. Yeah, so one question I have for you is, is it, are there any rules going to be implanted for things like um, just rent by the room on Airbnb, or anything like that? Rent by the room is tricky. I think a lot of places already require you to be the primary resident. Um, they want the host to be around, and that's very similar to the, the traditional short-term rental space uh, a lot of municipalities, Philadelphia specifically has, you can only have three unrelated people in one rental. 
So honestly, like if you're renting out a four bedroom house and there's four different people living in it that aren't related, that's technically illegal as it stands right now. Mm. This, this can get cracked down on in a lot of different university cities. In Philly, we call it university city. That's literally what it's called. There have been cases where four sorority girls live in one house and the landlord gets cracked down on for whatever reason. It's not like they were doing anything wrong. It's not something that sounds crazy to, to those of you guys listening on here for four people to be living in a four bedroom place and splitting the rent. Uh, but that's technically not allowed. Um, that's a really old rule in a lot of places that needs to be updated. And that's why I think the, the industry is gonna shift to the month to month rentals. There's nothing wrong with month to month rentals um, that are furnished. The short term re rental regulations going in Philly aren't, aren't gonna stop that. And I think a lot of cities will shift to that as we go on. Yeah, I mean, I think it only makes sense um, what, what have you sort of been seeing? I know we don't have a ton of data because it's still pretty new. What have you been seeing for the differences between these typical long-term rentals where you furnish yourself? Um, what are the different in, in pay that you're paying for these furnished medium-term rentals? The premiums can be pretty steep. I'd say you can, you can definitely charge if, if it's going to be a shorter stay, say like one to four months, you can charge like a 30 to 50% premium, no problem on the monthly rental just because it's furnished and they're paying for their flexibility, sometimes even up to double the, the traditional rent. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely insane. Um, so let's, let's quickly run, run through again um, all the possibility um, of next moves for someone who can only rest your um, in Philly. Um, we have um, switched to a medium-term rental, furnished or unfurnished. Um, you could switch to a furnished long-term rental, an unfurnished long-term rental. Um, if you're close to um, Drexel or Temple or any of the... Um, colleges, you can do a student housing. Um, you can also rent by the room, um, or you could simply just sell off and move to another market. Um, is there anything else that you, you like strategies? I'd say that's that's most of what it what it's going to look like. Is a lot of people are going to be allowed to have one short term rental because they they're claiming as their primary residence. Um, they'll be able to get the license for it. So I mean, there's not much pushback on that. The only the only thing you're going to be able to do from there is go commercial or go month to month rental. And there's nothing wrong with the month to month rental market. The premiums are there. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would just encourage people to look for something that is unique. I mean, like I said, the industry is changing by the day. Uh, there was a podcast by the founder of Stomp Capital who specializes in short term rentals and syndications in that space and, and trying to develop for short term rentals. They'll buy in, in ski towns and towns that have like a lot of action, a lot of adventure, knowing that people are gonna live there for months at a time. They're not just trying to get, get that chalet rented for the weekend. They're building the sickest monster houses so that remote workers can, can go and stay for three months at a time. They're carving out extra spaces to work, extra spaces for living. And I think that's what we're gonna see start to happen in a lot of different cities. I mean, we've seen companies like WeWork come in and really change the, the scape of working. But where I think it's going to get to is you're going to see houses go up that have three different living rooms, six different offices, have a ton of different recreation spaces, and just be like the fantasy land of remote working. Um, that way people can live in a city for three to six months and then switch it up and go somewhere else. I'll tell you a crazy story. So one of, uh, one of my friends who stayed with me in Hawaii, he was paying me like I don't know, close to $1,000 a month to live on a bunk bed in my living room, which that's not even the crazy part. When I found out that this friend was also paying for a $3,000 apartment in San Francisco 
and a like $2,000 a month rental um, over in Lake Tahoe. This guy was renting in three different places at one time. As crazy as that, that sounds, the perfect solution for someone like that is renting furnished places out for one month at a time with premium flexibility because as crazy as it sounds to pay like double what a traditional long-term monthly rent might be, this guy could bounce around to three different places and spend half the money of what he's paying in his current lifestyle. I mean, that honestly sounds kind of crazy. Also kind of fun though, to have that flexibility to go wherever you want um, and have all that stuff in place ready for you. I already have, you know, the furniture, the bed, everything ready to go. Um, and just being able to move around and bump around like that. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, everyone has that wanderlust in their heart. And some people are in a much better position to capitalize. They have the resources, they have the money, they have the flexibility to bounce around when they want. Um, and that's great. But the thing is that not everyone has that ability. And in order to make that mainstream, there have to be changes to the accommodation industry. Uh, and that's that's where I think the thinking is not correct in that hotels are the, the major differentiator. Uh, hotels and Airbnbs are not one and the same. Hotels and furnished rentals are not one and the same. At no point in your life are you gonna say, I'm gonna go live out of a hotel. No one ever ever dreams of that lifestyle. Uh, even if you had all the money in the world, like hotels just don't make sense for that. And hotels will always have a place. And that's why I don't think this is like a an Uber versus taxi situation or a hotel versus Airbnb situation because they're two totally different storylines. Hotels will always have a place, but they are going to get eaten up by short-term rentals because they are not going to be able to create the same advantages. And we've seen big hotel companies try to recreate the short-term rental experience and they fail at it. They don't, they don't think with the same creativity. It's not their skill set. Um, and they do a great job at what they already do. And there's already a place for that. So I think their best bet is to bolster where they're at in their industry, uh, within hospitality. And I think where we're going to get to within the short-term rental industry is going to be really interesting. Now, I want to go into a topic that I was talking to you about the other day. So the way I see this kind of evolving and something that I'd like to create myself is having rentals in such a variety of places. So like I said before, my friend had the San Francisco apartment, the house in Lake Tahoe, the penthouse in Waikiki. Uh, I already have an issue with leaving places all the time and wanting to rent out my space and it's not that easy and it, it's just not convenient to, to bounce around like that and try to fill it so i don't always do it but where i think the, the world is going to adjust to and what i'd like to create is kind of like a subscription uh payment to accommodation and what i mean by that is you can kind of upgrade your subscription access to where you want to live so if you want to say subscribe to be able to kind of bounce in and out of a house in Lake Tahoe, or for you and I, Mike, bounce in and out of a house in the Poconos, I think instead of paying, say, $1,000 a month to rent in the city of Philadelphia, maybe you pay $1,200 a month, but now you're guaranteed a bedroom whenever you go to the Poconos, to Philadelphia, or to another city that you want to go to, as long as that room is open. So I'll... To, to break it down a little further, let's say you're renting a place with two of your friends, three-bedroom place. There's a three-bedroom place in the Poconos that has, uh, that a couple of people are renting. And then let's say sometimes you venture down to Miami, Florida, and there's a six-bedroom place there. So maybe this subscription allows for 12 people to rent these, 
and you guys to basically shuffle around as you wish. Uh, and the, the platform that's selling the subscription is what's marketing and gathering people to rent. So you don't always have to f worry about finding someone to fill your spot, but there's kind of someone on deck to take your spot in Philly when you're ready to go to Florida. Uh, because maybe that person in Florida is ready to go to another place that that accommodation platform has in Lake Tahoe or Hawaii. So essentially, there's going to be a never-ending pool of people wanting to move somewhere. And if one company can nail it and have accommodation offerings in several places, you're going to be afforded as the consumer the ultimate flexibility to bounce around where you want to between Philadelphia, the Poconos, Miami, while other people can bounce around between their Miami, Lake Tahoe, say Hawaii. And you're really just going to be able to up and leave whenever you want because the company has taken out that that work that you had to do to get your spot moved and they've already furnished everything. So the ultimate flexibility will be allowed to you at a price point that's not much higher than you're paying today for traditional rent. And I think the, the win there is for the consumer and the company that can capitalize on that. See, uh, see now you got my, my gears turning my head because I'm just sitting here thinking, I love this idea. And I remember talking to you about this the other day and it, I, I'm starting to like think about how the concepts would work. Like maybe there'd be like a tier system where like if you're like, you know, you pay $500 a month and you get access to these different properties. You have, uh, you know, $1,000 tier, $1,500 tier, $2,000 tier, and you can bounce around all these different properties. And maybe there's like an app that's associated with it. So you sort of, you can trade places with people all the time in these different places. And I don't think it necessarily would work for, for everybody because there are certain people that have to stay, you know, in their, in their same spot um, and go to their, their job that, you know, isn't very remote, but there definitely is a, a huge market for this. Um, for, like I said earlier, like these traveling nurses or, or really anybody who can want and love the flexibility of being able to go to these places that are just already furnished, ready to go. And you, you really have the freedom to choose sort of this, all these places you want to go. You can go to, on vacation or you can go to, you know, to New York City to work. You can go to the Poconos. You can go to Texas. You can go wherever you want. And you have this flexibility to do all those things. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's where the workplace culture is shifting is to a remote environment. I think as technology improves and, and workplaces realize that they can cut uh, costs and improve the bottom line by allowing people to go remote and not having to rent office spaces out, uh, I really think that somebody's going to be able to capitalize on the ability to let people move around as they wish. And I'll give you another example, and this is kind of how I thought of this idea as well, because I've seen this before. Uh, so one of my buddies used to be an airline attendant. Before he moved in with me to my first house hack, what he was doing and what a lot of flight attendants do is they're always traveling. They're always on the road. They're, they're flying to different cities and they get put up in that city and they come home knowing that they're not going to be in their home base city. Like he was based out of Philly, but he might've been in Philly 10 to 15 days out of the month. They don't want to pay a full month's rent. So what they do is they group up with a bunch of other flight attendants. They'll rent a house. That's like three bedrooms, but has three sets of triple bunk beds or three bedrooms and three beds, but five people will be renting that house. And the way that that works is they, they know that there's a 99% chance all five of them won't be home at once. So whenever they're home, they have a bed to sleep in. And because of that, they might be paying 400 a month in rent instead of 800 a month in rent. Yeah, that's totally huge. And I think we could be the ones to do it honestly at a point. Um, and I think whoever does do it will, will make a, a ton of money on it just because it's a very super interesting and, and really a concept that would make sense, honestly, for a lot of people, honestly. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that is something that's possible 
and I've seen done at the Jersey Shore with different shore houses is a group of say 20 people might rent a shore house that can accommodate 10 people for for a stay and what will happen is all these guys will chip in as if 10 people were renting and uh, they'll pay that price but at any given point there might only be five six seven people up there at a time and I think that's super possible in a lot of the like dream destinations so your Lake Tahoe super sick three million dollar house that kind of place is prime for a group of 30 people to split it um, knowing that only 10 people will be there at a time and I think there's a lot of flexibility in doing that in a, a lot more markets than people realize because it's it's not just people who have a ton of money um, and work remote who can do this there are those flight attendants there are those digital nomads. There's a lot of people who would love this kind of service. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was going to say I'm surprised somebody hasn't done this in the past, but I'm really not surprised because I feel like nowadays is the time that this even makes more sense, especially I think COVID was a, a huge thing that kind of pushed people more towards that um, remote work. And, and because of you know the new environment we live in with the remote working people and just people, you know, COVID really pushed a lot of people to stop going to the office because they started to realize, like, why am I even going into the office? Like, I don't need to at all. Like, I can do everything I need to do at the office at home um, and get the same amount of work done. Um, I think this is a, a very good concept, and I, I think we should get started before somebody else takes it from us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you just have to come at it with the right mindset and, and get people kind of in that shift. And it, it's really about the space. If you have the right space that is just super sick and you know people are going to want to be there, uh, but they're going to be able to get into it for a fraction of the cost because other people are going to be in and out as well, uh, it really makes sense. And I've, I've seen this done. We're not the first people to do this. Uh, it's just the world and industry is changing to allow this to be done in a lot more places. This already happens with a lot of vacation destinations like Costa Rica. I'll give you an example. There, there was a hostel there that was super cheap, maybe like 700 for the month to stay there. Um, in areas where other rentals are going for a minimum of $100 a night, but most rentals in the area are going for like $300 a night. So $700 a month is like an absolute steal. And what these places do is they'll put like a couple bunk beds, like hostel style living, but outside of like the room itself, they know that people are there to work and enjoy the surroundings they have around them. They want to explore Costa Rica, they want to get the Costa Rica experience. And what you do is you subscribe to this uh, hostels profile and they have hostels in many, many countries. So you'll stay in that, that bunk bed. But the cool part is they'll have the sickest areas to work. They'll have so many different like little office spaces to work out of. They'll have the craziest cabanas and poolside service and all this other like super luxurious stuff, which they can offer those super high end amenities and know that you don't care about where you're sleeping and really skimp out on the rooms because they know you're literally only using that room to sleep. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, and I'm currently going online to go book a trip to Costa Rica and stay at one of these places as we speak um, because that sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really cool concept. So it's, it's exciting to see where the industry is going, and if, if you're thinking forward and you're starting to develop or set up your space for that month-to-month -month rental, uh, you just have to keep in mind like what kind of person is going to be staying there. Like, There are a lot of houses on the market that are older uh, that just don't make sense functionally for the traditional home buyer now. Um, but there are also a lot of spaces that 
Although they don't make sense for a traditional home buyer, the, the nuclear family of four, uh, there are spaces that in houses that you're like, why would anybody need that much space? Why would anybody want to have bedrooms that go through bedrooms? There are a lot of things that happen in houses that make sense on the month-to-month -month rental for people who don't really care about the functionality fully, but care about what amenities you can offer. So having three living rooms might not make sense for the nuclear family, but that might be the perfect chance to capitalize on recreational opportunity for your month-to-month -month tenants. Yeah, wow. So it sounds like we're, we're about to be experiencing a, a huge market shift a little bit for this whole new niche and area of just renting places, it sounds like. Oh, a hundred thousand percent. Um, and I have some really cool projects coming up that are gonna be like prime examples of this kind of setup. Uh, I have a project coming up that is essentially a, a ton of open land that we're gonna develop and put on a ton of super cool Instagrammable tiny homes, domes, some tree houses possibly, really just make like a super unique, cool experience, but still have as many amenities as possible for people to be able to work out of there, people to be able to hang out and socialize there and meet new people and, and meet other uh, digital nomads and other people passing through and really kind of just get like a vacation in a place to work. Yeah, and I, I remember talking to you a little bit about about sort of this this idea, um, and I'm super excited about it. I'm, I'm ready to watch it come into fruition and start to see all these things that happen to it, um, as well as the 43 and the Pocono. I'm super excited for that to start happening and, and us to just start having some really cool things happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's that's really what's happened since I've heard about the regulations in Philly and, and as my mind's expanded traveling to a lot of different places, is I want to create the coolest possible experiences uh, yes, those are going to make the most money. That's Money is always driving a lot of these ideas, but I also am thinking about the lifestyle that I want to live and really like what I want my life to look like and the experiences I want to take with me when I go to the grave. So if I can kind of be the pioneer in creating these experiences, knowing that they've had success with some other smaller scale projects that I've had, uh, I think we're going to have a, a really big success and a lot of people to, to springboard off of when, when bringing these bigger projects to life. Yeah, well, that that's all sounds amazing. Um, let's let's quick run through um, real quick and just kind of uh, talk about everything we talked about in this episode. Wrap it up. There was a lot of things that just happened in the end there. Um, super exciting things that are probably going to happen. Um, someone's gonna do it because it only just makes sense. Um, but so we started off um, regulations coming to Philly. Um, you're only gonna be able to own one um, with your STR permit if you're even given one. Um, it's probably likely they'll be given one if you follow the rules and things like that. It might just take a little bit. Um, there's probably about 90% of the Airbnbs are going to be wiped off of the market in Philly. Um, you can only freely really rent your place if you're a CMX through your higher zoned place. Um, occupancy and price might go up a little bit um, just because there's 90% less places on the market. Um, so your moves are probably switched to uh, furnished or unfurnished, medium-term rental, um, furnished, unfurnished, long-term rental, student housing, rent by the room, or just sell off moving on the market. Um, that's that's pretty much what I got, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered what's happening in Philly with the regulations, and I think Philadelphia, they're on a little bit of the stricter side of, of what might happen in your city, uh, but I think they are a fairly good benchmark 
to kind of plan out your worst case scenario when regulations do start to happen in your city. And I don't think there's necessarily anywhere that's safe from regulation. There are places that already have regulations and those are probably the safest places in terms of what's gonna happen in an area. Um, other places that don't have regulations but are traditional vacation towns, I think those are kind of your second safest bet when moving into a short-term rental space. But always be cognizant of whether a space is commercial or what's, what it's zoned uh, and, and keep that in mind when you're looking for your next short-term rental. Yeah, I think a really big thing to just think about is when you're buying a place, think about exit strategies. Think about potential things that could happen, might happen, maybe will happen. Um, just always have a, a back out plan in mind um, if any of these things do happen. It's, it's always better to be safe than sorry um, and, and have a way to get out of it and maybe move your money somewhere else if something does, like something catastrophic does happen. Yeah, and a, a good example of that is the the month month to month rentals that are furnished in Philadelphia. That's that's kind of the exit plan from short term rentals. Your cash flow is still pretty killer, uh, and as long as you have that backup plan, you're you're in a pretty safe spot. I want to address one other thing, and that's that what I've noticed with a lot of people who are having their quarter life crises, um, having gone through several myself, uh, is that there are so many people who are in their their twenties sometimes still happening in their 30s that they haven't figured out where they want to live. And a huge issue with that is there's so much pressure to decide where you want to stay for at least a year. Um, I think if there was an option for people to kind of go on like a rotational program where they could live in a city, you can go live in New York for three months, you can go live in Orlando for three months, you can go live in San Francisco for three months, live in LA for three months really get a taste of all these places because you're not going to know a place by staying there for a week with your, your paid time off. If you can go live somewhere for six months and get the full experience, I think you'd be able to, after hitting a couple, a dozen or a couple dozen cities uh, in your 20s, you, you would know where you want to live the rest of your life and, and carve out the rest of your legacy. So I just wanted to, to leave that food for thought out there and kind of the concept of being able to, to travel and explore when you're, when you're younger. Yeah, no, I, I do love that. Honestly, it'd be really sick if there was some somebody that offered a package out there where, like you said, for three months, just every three months, you, you sign up and you, and you know which areas you're going to switch to. So every three months, you're staying here, then there, then there, then there, then there. And you just keep moving back and forth. And you can purchase you know, a one-year package, two-year package, really as long as you want. You can even do a three- or six-month package and just by paying in, you, you already have the opportunity to move around to all these places. Um, I love that idea. Um, that's, that's pretty much all I got though. Is there anything else you want to throw in right there at the end? Yeah. If there, there are any listeners out there who have houses in, in cool places, cool cities who want to volunteer to become part of uh, an initial program we might set up. Um, right now I'm able to kind of throw in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. I'm able to throw in uh, penthouse in Waikiki, uh, and many more. I mean, there's plenty of places in Philadelphia we can throw into the mix, but I think an environment for, people to, to go in and explore different cities, uh, be around like-minded entrepreneurs could be a pretty cool place. And if you want to help uh, kickstart the program, uh, send, me, send me your place and we'll see if it uh, fits the bill and we can talk about getting the subscription going. Where can they talk to you about that? You can find me at livefreewithjd uh, live on Instagram um, or you can hit me up at info at libertycityliving.com. That sounds super amazing. And uh, before we end the episode off, guys, 
Um, if you want to be on the episode with us and be a little guest on the episode, um, you can feel free to go to uh, either me or JD's link trees on Instagram. I'm at Live Free with Mikey. Again, he's at Live Free with JD. Um, go on our link trees, and we do have um, a little one on there where you can go fill out a form, and, and there's a few questions for you, and fill it out because we do want some guests on the podcast, guys. Um, we don't want to just. I know you guys like hearing us all the time, but we do want to hear from you guys and actually hear your experiences in real estate, and uh, maybe if you have some cool ideas like this one. Um, other than that, uh, if you enjoyed your time listening, uh, we do ask that you please leave a review or a rating on whatever um, platform you're listening on. It really helps out a lot and lets us know you want to hear more from us. Uh, other than that, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, just want you guys to uh, live free. Live free. Ayo.